Have you heard of Judas of Galilee, or Thutis, or Simon of Perea, or Anthrogis? Probably not. They lived in the first century, and they led briefly successful rebellions against the Romans. In fact, many thought that they were messiahs. They were kings anointed by God to liberate Israel. Bar Kokhba in 132 AD, established an independent Judean kingdom for three years. But all of these men were eventually defeated and killed by the Romans. N.T. Wright is a scholar who's an expert in resurrection studies, the historical study of the resurrection. And he says that if you were a first century Jew and you thought that someone was a Messiah and that Messiah was killed, you had two options. You'd either go home or find another Messiah. When Jesus was crucified, everyone, his disciples as well as his enemies, thought that that disproved that he was the Messiah. The women who came to that tomb early that first Easter morning were coming to anoint a dead body. But when they arrived, wow, what did they see? An earthquake, an angel appearing inviting them to see the empty tomb and announcing that Jesus had been raised from the dead. They were fearful yet overjoyed and as they left that place, behold, Jesus met them on their way and greeted them. It is impossible for us to appreciate the wonder, the shock of it all. If Jesus of Nazareth had not been raised from the dead, he would have been no more than a footnote in history, like those other names I just mentioned to you. If he hadn't been raised from the dead, we wouldn't be gathered here. Christianity would not exist. The world would be a far different and a far worse place if he hadn't risen from the dead. But by his resurrection, he proved that he was the Messiah, as well as the unique Son of God and the Lord of all. His resurrection is a confirmation of everything he taught, of everything he said about God and the kingdom of God and about himself, of everything he did during his public ministry. His resurrection is the foundation of his ongoing presence in the world today through his spirit living and working through his disciples. The resurrection gives us a definitive answer to the most important questions that human beings can ask. Is there a God? Yes. What is God like? All wise, all powerful, all loving. Yes, there is an objective moral order that we can know. Yes, there is life after death. And yes, our lives have meaning and purpose because we were made by and redeemed by God for eternal communion with the Trinity. The resurrection is not merely an historical fact to be accepted or proof of the truth of Christianity or even hope for the future. Its power is meant to be experienced here and now. This Jesus has died and risen so that we could die to our old sinful selves and rise again with him new, with the fullness of life. And we can see that life on display most clearly in certain members of our spiritual family 
who have followed him well. Barney was born in 1870 on a farm in Wisconsin, the sixth of 16 children of Irish immigrants. It was a joyful, humble Catholic family. At age eight, he contracted diphtheria, which permanently damaged his voice. He spoke with a wispy voice the rest of his life. At age 17, he left the family farm for a series of jobs, including lumberjack, hospital orderly, and prison guard. As a prison guard, he actually befriended members of Jesse, Game, Jesse James' famous gang. While working, at a trolley car, while working as a trolley car operator, he witnessed a violent assault one day that caused him to reflect on his life and what he was doing with it. And this led him to discern a call to the priesthood. In the first seminary he went to, they politely kicked him out. But God led him to the Franciscan order. He joined and took the religious name Solanus, after a Franciscan saint who loved to play the violin as he did. He didn't do well in his studies, and so they ordained him what's called a simplex priest, which is a priest who can celebrate Mass, but he can't preach and can't hear confessions. And most of his life he spent serving the community as something called a porter. Now a porter basically is a receptionist. He answered the door, he tracked down friars who had people coming to visit them, and he handled messages and packages. It was a lowly job. But social status is not important to God. Sometimes people would ask for food, and so he'd get them food. And during the Great Depression, he started a massive soup kitchen that fed hundreds and hundreds of people. Sometimes people would go to the monastery, and they'd just start opening up to him, telling him about their problems, and he would listen to them. He'd give them advice, and he'd pray with them. And especially when people were sick, they'd come to the monastery asking for Solanus. People noted his gentleness and sensitivity. One person described him. He said, if you were sick, he hurt with you. He was very compassionate. He could say a few words to you, and you would be perfectly at ease. Well, his time as porter resulted in countless miracles and signs from God. Sick people were healed. Estranged spouses were reconciled. Personal problems were resolved. And people would come back to Solanus and tell him and thank him for his prayers. And he would always, always give the glory to God. He'd say, thank God, and God is great. In 1923, his superior ordered him to keep track of all these people that came to him for whom he knew how the thing they asked for turned out. And by the end of his life in 1957, there were over 6,000 entries in his logbook answered prayers and miracles. One of his brother Franciscans said, when he was speaking with you, you felt that he was constantly God-centered, on fire with love for God, and constantly God-conscious, seeming always to have his eyes on God. He seemed to see everything as flowing from God and leading back to God. People came to Blessed Solanus Casey as those women came to the tomb, hurt, broken, and desperate. And like those women, they left overjoyed and full of hope. Why? Because they encountered in him the power of the risen Christ. Saying yes to Jesus produces abundant life. There's a parishioner of ours who several years ago 
she had retired and she was asked maybe she could help out with our Food for Families program and she really didn't want to. She wanted to do other things with her time. But she started to do it and then she noticed there's a lot of food we were able to get but we weren't able to distribute. So she made a connection with the Trinitarian sisters and she and her husband would do this together. And so they began, the Trinitarian sisters would distribute food. So she thought it was going to be two hours. She ends up spending now 12, 15 hours a week back and forth driving truckloads of food that would otherwise be spoiled, food for hungry people. And through all this, she has had a deepening conversion to the Lord. She's increased in her prayer and scripture studies. Through a cancer scare, a broken kneecap and recovery, she has experienced the strength and love of Christ coming to her in many ways, through the sacraments, through her prayer, and especially through her friendship with other believers. She wrote me once to uh, share some of this with me. She wrote, I'm telling you all this because I feel so thankful the parish gave us this opportunity. It's been one of the blessings God has provided. When someone thanks us for helping Food for Families, I almost chuckle because I think if they only knew we are the ones that have been abundantly blessed. We are all abundantly blessed. God gave us his son out of love for us. Jesus, the risen Lord, who puts to death in us that which tends to death and fills us with the fullness of life.